Happy Friday, Canada. Welcome to Fake News Friday, the only show on the internet keeping Canada's failing, fake, and biased legacy media in check. And my goodness, do they need a checking. It's, it's been a historically bad week, I think, for Canada's legacy media. My name is Harrison Faulkner, filling in for Andrew Lawton once again, who usually fills in for Candace Malcolm. And taking the seat that I usually occupy on the show is the very talented Rupa Subramania, the host of the Rupa Subramania podcast. Now, Rupa, this may be one of the worst weeks, I think, for Canada's legacy media. I mean, I don't know how much worse it can get they they've they've embarrassed themselves and, and frankly exposed themselves i think a little bit yeah no i think so i mean we've we've lots to cover and um yeah i don't even know where 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 to begin uh just when you think that you know it's it's bad it just gets worse and uh so uh yeah uh they've not conducted themselves well here uh they've once again made themselves the center of the story uh, and as we discussed last week, journalists are not supposed to be the story. So, um, you know, it's, it's just very unfortunate. But unfortunately, this is this is how it's been uh, for a while. And that's where that's why we call it as as we see it. Yeah. Well, let's start with this. Let's start with this whole Pierre Polyev, Jeremy McKenzie Diagonal debacle. Let's call it the Diagonal debacle, because Global news have have just completely embarrassed themselves, I think, here. And I think a good number of of Canadians who were already quite skeptical of what they were getting from the legacy media after seeing what happened now, I think, are just saying to themselves, wow, I mean, we're this is this is these are new lows. So let's just summarize what happened for those that maybe aren't aware of, of what's what went on. So at an event on Sunday, Pierre Polyev, it might have been Sunday, might have been Monday, I'm not sure. But Pierre Polyev was doing a, a meet and greet, as he usually does, one of his rallies in Nova Scotia, I believe it was. And at these rallies, Polyev, like any other politician in this country, meets and greets the supporters. He sets up, a, uh, there's a long line of people who want to shake his hand, have a quick word, take a picture, and keep that as a little, uh, a little political memorabilia of a, of a well-known political candidate. So sure enough, this guy, Jeremy McKenzie, who is a, uh, an online streamer, someone who is, I think, known for being quite controversial, quite on the edge. Um, the, the legacy media view this guy as some very dangerous extreme right boogeyman. Well, he went to the Polyev rally took a photo with Pierre Polyev, shaking his hand, posted it to his Telegram page, and all of a sudden, here comes Global News journalist Rachel Gilmore, who takes this and says, well, because this guy, Jeremy McKenzie, who doesn't need, doesn't need defending, uh, but, but this guy, Jeremy McKenzie, because he took a photo with, with Polyev, Pierre Polyev must be some racist far-right boogeyman. He, he's attracting these, these far-right individuals, and because of that, we must, we must force Pierre Polyev to denounce these people and, and basically validate the claims legacy media are making about him, that he's, what, uh, you know, uh, Rupa, he's, he's, he's attracting these far-right dangerous, poly- yeah. d- dangerous figures. It's, it's completely bizarre, and, and they completely fell for this. Yeah, no, but uh, Harrison, we've seen this movie before. I mean, this is classic guilt by association, uh, which uh, is applied to uh, politicians on the right uh, and never on the left. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, we know that Trudeau has appeared with all kinds of extremists out there. Um, Many of his MPs have appeared uh, in community groups associated with, um, for example, the Khalistan independence movement. Uh, or Tamil Tigers, and and none of these people were called extremists. I don't re- ever recall anyone uh, calling Justin Trudeau an extremist or um, uh, who supports these organizations or these elements. Uh, but this is a classic smear tactic 
that comes from the left. Uh, you attack someone uh, uh, not for their ideas, not for their policies, but you want to cast aspersions on their character. So it's clearly motivated. There's an agenda here for sure. Uh, but you know what I like about Pierce uh, about Pierce's response is, and he's done this before. It's very clever and witty. You know, he could have responded to it by uh, getting angry and uh, defensive, but he responds it responds with wit and humor, uh, thereby revealing how ridiculous the whole thing is. For example, I. I think he said, um, he says, you know, likewise, I can't be responsible for Justin Trudeau's many racist outbursts just because I've met him or shaken his hands. Um, I think that's that's a great way of dealing with it. Uh, and, uh, you know, McKinsey himself, I believe, uh, has said that he was deliberately doing this to provoke the legacy media. And of course, they they fell um, uh, for it. They responded. Um, just like they uh, fell for his Diagalon meme, which is a fake country, but they um, tried to concoct this conspiracy that it is a far-right uh, movement um, uh, here to um, overthrow the Canadian government. They're a bunch of extremists. They're a bunch of terrorists. I mean, it's a joke. It's a joke. The meme. It's a. It's a fake. It's. It's. It's a made-up country uh, with the with with the goat. I think as its head. I or, I, I, you know, I, I don't quite know all the specifics, but it's it's kind of funny. But, but it just shows you how easy it is to rile up um, the legacy media and uh, essentially get them to reveal where they're coming from, their biases and their agenda. No, exactly. And if the legacy media didn't have double standards, Rupa, we, we would know that they'd have no standards at all. Because, of course, if, if a, a, a legitimate journalist who's writing this story, well, first of all, any politician who shakes hands with someone at an event designed for a meet and greet, that's not a story. No matter who they are, it's not a story. But if you're going to go to those, those such low depths, you might as well just provide a little bit of context. Not once in this global news reporter's story did they did, yeah. did she mention the fact that, as you mentioned, Trudeau has met with such you know acclaimed people as convicted pedophile Ben Levin or neo-Nazi Andre Perubi or a pe- or pedophile Terry Lowe. So again, and that's just to name a few. There's there's actually four others worth mentioning. But again, it's just ridiculous. I did some digging into this and. It wasn't just, of course, global news that fell for this trap. Of course, Jeremy McKenzie, as you said, made, put a video out there detailing how it was all just a setup. It was just to expose the legacy media for being completely in the tank for Trudeau. But I did some research about this Diagonal group. As you said, it's a meme. It's a total joke. They're trying to form some breakaway state, a diagonal country from Alaska to Florida. And from my research, and, and, and so in between these dangerous reports about how, oh, these, these Diagonal guys are so dangerous, they have to put in... Th- the actual specifics about what this group is. And one of them is the fact that their vice president of Diagonal is a goat figurine who has, who does Coke. I mean, so it's, it's a total, it's a total joke, obviously. And, and it wasn't just global news that fell for this. It was Jean Charest who also in his best, what Patrick Brown impersonation tried to basically say that Polyev hasn't denounced this Jeremy McKenzie figure. And if he doesn't denounce this guy, he must be what supporting the, the the views of, of of the far right it's it's ridiculous and the whole goal here and conservatives should be wise to this and I think the more and more of this goes on they'll they'll start to see it what these what these legacy media journalists and the left want is for conservatives to denounce and distance condemn denounce and distance themselves from people who again aren't necessarily the model citizens but when have you seen Justin Trudeau openly denounce the extreme left or Antifa? He never does it and no one expects him to. 
But you don't even have to go to Jeremy McKinsey. Look what they did to the freedom protests. Look, look what, look what they did to uh, you know those people. You and know, James Todd. Yeah, James Stop. Like I've met James Stop to call him a white supremacist is so incredibly ridiculous. I I don't even know where to begin here. I I marched with the man, you know, for uh, for a day to get an interview. I was I spent about six hours with him, and I did a podcast with him. And he's a perfectly reasonable person. He believes in this, uh, in, you know, in, in his cause, and there's nothing racist or white supremacist about him. I mean, unless, you know, white supremacists are now becoming a more inclusive group. I mean, I'm not aware of this development, but uh, it's 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 insane how they try to tar everybody, um, you know, with this brush. Um, and we saw that with the freedom protests, uh, just pretty much, you know, they were just using uh, these talking points from Justin Trudeau himself. Uh, when he, recall, when he characterized the unvaccinated as a bunch of racists and misogynists and should we tolerate them, as he infamously asked. And uh, that's essentially what they're doing. They're, um, you know, they're essentially behaving like stenographers for the government. And it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but, yeah. uh, but there you have it. Yeah. So you, I mean, you've, you've got, you've got the, the whole series of photographs that Justin Trudeau has taken. These aren't just with any individuals. I mean, one of them, you know, is the former speaker, I think of the Ukrainian parliament who is Andre Perubi. I mean, these are real legitimate people who are truly, uh, I, I would say, in, in, to use the less language, problematic. Um, but again, you don't even have to go that far. You can go back earlier this week when the Canadian Heritage Department gave money, 130 grand, to a vile anti-Semite. Where, uh, obviously, we saw, we saw Ahmed Hassan denounce and condemn, rightly so, but you don't, have, you don't have a whole procession of liberal MPs openly coming out and saying, we denounce this, we denounce this man, we, we, we distance ourselves, because they don't actually have to, because the standards aren't actually the same. And, and, and it's also worth mentioning, too, the, the way that this has all been set up, they, they've created these, also they've created these, these blanket terms like ideologically motivated violent extremism, for example. IMVE, that's, not, that's like a new thing. And if you think about that, ideologically motivated, that's basically politics, and, 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 and violent extremism, that can be anything as we've seen from the left. So, I mean, we, we, this, this is standard operating procedure from the legacy media. And there was another article that came up from the same journalist at Global because Global wasn't done there this week. Uh, of course, after embarrassing themselves on what the Monday, they decided the next day to double down and, and go even deeper. They wrote an article. The headline is laughable here. The headline is how podcasts have become misinformation machines and what can be done about it. So th this article is, is unbelievable. They basically just take any conservative uh, right-wing media operation. If it's, I mean, they, they, they take the biggest names. We're talking uh, Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, Alex Jones. They're saying anyone who is not basically in the legacy media, anything that's not printed by a legacy media outlet or anything that's not produced by uh, some sort of uh, legacy media outlet rupa is disinformation and right wing. And they even, they even try and lump in shows that aren't even podcasts as podcasts. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very poor research. Look, obviously there's misinformation out there, there's disinformation, no one denies that. Uh, but here's the thing, there's a lot of fake information in, from the legacy media itself. <laughs> the, the legacy media itself is a big proponent of uh, fake news stories and uh, uh, propagates this, right? Uh, not proponent, but uh, propagates these stories. Uh, so it's rather disingenuous to say that it's 
just podcasts spreading misinformation. Um, and keep in mind that legacy media uh, still reaches a large number of people who are not into uh, podcasts and, you know, and other uh, uh, sort of, you know, how you and I would uh, get the news. There are a lot of people who still look to the CBC and the C- and CTV and legacy media for, for news. So, uh, again, um, the, the fact of the matter is that the fake news, uh, the legacy media, uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that was a Freudian slip, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but the legacy media itself propagates fake news and they've been called out plenty of times. Um, and uh, and again, you know, I refer to the Freedom Convoy protests, uh, where the legacy media was all but parroting the Trudeau government's uh, own misinformation, uh, where they tarred all the protesters with the with the same brush that they were racist and misogynist. And we know that's not true. Um, and it and, and guess who? Um, uh, you know, guess who, 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 who were the people who, who was pointing this out? It was the independent media, uh, which was there on the ground. Um, uh, and, uh, and I think people like uh, you and I were, were there at the protests and we, I think we presented uh, a much more accurate picture of what was actually happening there. Um, and, you know, I think, I think what's happening here, Harrison, is that podcasts and independent media are increasingly providing a much-needed corrective to, I believe, a very hegemonic, agenda-driven narrative uh, by legacy media. Uh, and at least here in Canada, we know it's usually in favor of the liberals. Well, no, exactly. And, and you know, the thing is, 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 I think Canadians should understand, and I think Canadians do understand, that when you read something from the legacy media... These legacy media outlets, they're obviously going to be left-wing. That's just sort of the nature of, of big media. But when you put out an article, when the Global News puts out an article that is so clearly slanted against the, against the right, I mean, they're trying, to, they're trying to basically say that uh, Jordan Peterson and Ben Shapiro and podcasters like that are, are putting out misinformation. They don't once talk about any sort of Antifa or far-left podcast, and we know they're out there. They should at least make these, make these articles known that it's it's an opinion or it's or it's some sort of analysis like even the cbc to their credit and i can't believe i'm going to say this rupa to the the cbc's credit they will label their articles either op-ed or analysis and you know that it's really not news but this apparently is being presented as news and you people should go through this article because the more you read it the more it obviously becomes a justification to to introduce censorship in the media, to guarantee that Canadians can't access information that is not filtered by legacy media sources. So there's there's an important there's an important paragraph that I want to that I want to uh, read here, and it's a quote from somebody in this article. I think it's Justin Ling actually, which just makes it even worse if anyone knows Canadian legacy media. But this is what he says in the article. One of the main draws of podcasting is the low barrier to entry. All you need is a microphone and some basic editing software. The result, your message can go right to the listener's ears with no gatekeepers. I mean, what's wrong with that, Rupa? What's wrong with people instead of people just putting out news and and letting letting audiences decide how they want to receive it? It it has to go through gatekeepers? I mean, it's ridiculous. And then here's another line too. He, he says, it feels like somebody leaning over the counter of the bar or coming to your cubicle in the office or sitting across your kitchen table and explaining something to you. It doesn't feel produced. It doesn't feel put on. It doesn't feel like there are any filters between what the host is saying and what you're hearing. So again, I ask the question, what's wrong with someone just telling it to you straight, just giving you a conversation to inform you? They want it to go through their sources only because they can feel their, their monopoly on information slipping through their hands mm-hmm. and yeah, there's nothing that's... that terrifies them more. 
that's precisely it. You've, you've, uh, you know, you've identified the problem there, and that is it. Uh, look, it's democratization of discourse, which is a great thing. That's what that's what we want, and that's what technology has enabled us to do. Uh, that's what podcasting um, has enabled us to do. Uh, and you know, everybody has a voice. What is wrong with that? Uh, and and if you you know you're you're free to disagree with those views and opinions, uh, but you know to obviously this you know they feel that their control over this narrative that they've been pushing for a very long time is slowly starting to slip away. It's it's already happening, I think, in in a big way uh, in certain areas, and they're being challenged constantly every day uh, by viewers and listeners. Um, uh, you know, saying you know this, your your reporting of this is completely biased. It's incorrect, and there, you you no longer have to write a letter to an editor. Um, you know, uh, which which used to be the case when I was growing up, and it would take a week for them to publish it, and you you didn't even know if the journalist even received that letter. So, yeah, but now it's instantaneous. You know, you can just tweet to this person. You can mm. just tell them directly. Look, I think you suck. Your reporting sucks, <laughs> and and that, and they they have a hard time dealing with it, and. Uh, and and then of course they 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 you know they're they they face fierce competition from independent media, um, you know. And I was I was just looking at podcasts um, by Chartable, a ranking of podcasts in Canada, um, and um, and and I, I noticed that several of our podcasts on True North are actually up there in in the top fifty uh, ranked, in, you know, in in the top fifty. Yeah, uh, mine happens to be number twenty one. So um, <laughs> I, I, I'm rather pleased with that. Really embraced, certainly. Uh, yeah, but I noticed that most of those podcasts are actually from the independent media space. Uh, I think I saw one CBC podcast up there, but most of it are just people like you and I podcasting. And I think that's, that's where, you know, they feel really threatened. And that would explain why they come out with these stupid bogus articles, um, uh, you know, which are poorly researched, poorly written. And, uh, and, you know, and, 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 you know, because they, 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 they want to keep this monopoly going as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when journalists are on the side of, of restricting access to the news and, and trying to, you know, keep Canadians from being able to access other voices, I think that's when they're on the wrong side of this debate. And I think Canadians are going to see that. Now, Rupa, the, the, the legacy media journalists, speaking of these great legacy media journalists, they, they, they still haven't gotten over your reporting, which has exposed the Trudeau government. It's like, it's like it, it, it almost hurts them more than the Trudeau government. I don't understand why, but they can't I... stop attacking you. What's going on here? Uh, well, it's, uh, you know, back, back in the old days, Harrison, and that was not too long ago, um, I, you know, when a journalist broke a story, right, other journalists would dive into the story and try to get more stories out of it, right? Uh, but what's happening here is that they're actually trying to demonize the journalist and defending the government. It's it's messed up. So, you know, just imagine when Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein broke the Watergate story uh, and legacy media in Canada would have attacked them and tried to defend Nixon. Um, it's, it's, it's really about that ridiculous and so incredibly shameful. Uh, you know, there are several things that are shameful here. They're attacking me. And they're also so incredibly stupid and naive that they take everything that government officials are saying at face value. Um, they do this kind of thing in North Korea and other tin pot dictatorships, you know, to stay alive, right? Because if you speak speak out against um, 
dear leader, uh, that's it. That's game over for you. Uh, but it's incredible that, uh, you know, some journalists here are behaving like we're in North Korea. Um, you know, rather than having a healthy, healthy skepticism, um, you know, towards uh, official narratives of, uh, from the government, uh, fact-checking, they're fact-checking me. They should really be looking at these court documents and digging deeper. There's a lot of stuff in there that I couldn't get into. There's so many stories here. Uh, but uh, no, but they're busy fact-checking me and, uh, you know, again, uh, attempting um, a character assassination by saying that I'm affiliated with far-right outfits. What what on earth does it have to do with the story? And the story speaks for itself. Um, you know, but instead, you know, they're, they're, you know, they should be fact checking the government and they should be looking for evidence to support the government claims and not just take them at face value. It's a shameful dereliction of duty by some of these individuals in the legacy media. No, absolutely. And, you know, the legacy media are going after journalists and they're going after small podcasters like Jeremy McKenzie, who has 12,000 subscribers, instead of going after the government, instead of actually going after people who are in authority. The whole point of journalism is to hold power to account. But we, we, it's the common thing I say on this show, and it's that this is just par for the course. There's nothing changing in the legacy media. I would love it. If there was a, a, a Carl Bernstein like type journalist that just emerged through one of these outlets, because it would do good for Canada. I want to see these outlets do good for Canada, but right now all they're doing is just the opposite. Quickly, I want I want to touch on this ridiculous CBC article where they're basically saying that uh, the Dutch protests uh, that we see in the, in the Netherlands, the farmer protests in the Netherlands that really took off around the world. These were fueled by conspiracy theories in Canada. So there was a CBC headline that came out today, uh, came out yesterday, excuse me, that said Canada's convoy movement waved the Dutch flag. Then conspiracy theories swirled about fertilizer and bugs. Very bizarre article. They're basically trying to say, Rupa, I, I think here, and correct me if I'm wrong, the, the statement here is, the, because a lot of people who are involved in the Freedom Convoy sympathized with what was going on in the Netherlands, which I think a lot of people rightly consider to be a sort of a, uh, the next evolution of, of protests that we saw start in Ottawa, because Canadians who are sympathetic to the Ottawa protest and the, and the Dutch protest, they're also conspiracy theorists or they're pushing conspiracy theorists. Maybe it's just because they take issue with a real policy and the government is trying to back them up. I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, this was a really bizarre story. It was desperately trying to um, bring in misinformation and disinformation into this, uh, into the, uh, into some Canadian support for the farmers' protest uh, in the Netherlands. Um, it was a really bizarre story. It was long, and it was just, uh, you know, it made no sense to me. Uh, but you know, I was, I was intrigued by a tweet that. Uh, that the CBC sent out uh, to promote the story. Um, and, uh, you know, the language was very problematic. Uh, um, I don't have the tweet with me, but basically I felt this was a case study in propaganda, that if you oppose government f policies, they framed uh, an opposition to government policies as, uh, as, as, uh, as being uh, anti-government ideology. Um, which is very problematic. So just because you criticize the government, um, essentially that means you're a far-right conspiracy theorist and uh, you, you're anti-government and it's anti-government ideology. Uh, it, this is incredibly prob problematic. And imagine, for example, if the legacy media in the U.S. 
um, during the civil rights movement, for example. And this was the example I uh, sent out on my Twitter feed uh, in my tweet in the 60s. The civil rights movement was protesting unjust laws, and uh, and, and and imagine if they were called anti-government ideology. Uh, in fact, there were people saying that this was anti-government ideology. But guess who these people were? These were Southern white supremacists. Right. No, exactly. <laughs> um, and that's that's the kind of the shift we're seeing, right? I mean, it's when it's when this 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 movement goes so far, they've completely lost lost touch with reality, and they end up they end up sounding insane. I mean, the CBC sounds absolutely insane here. I have the tweet here. As the Canadian convoy movement embraced farmers' protests in the Netherlands, far-right outlets here took advantage to amplify anti-government ideology. So, excuse me, it wasn't even just about the protesters. It was about the far-right outlets. So they're attacking the media, which are critical of the government, and, and by proxy basically saying, anyone who reads these outlets... Uh, that's you watching the show right now, audience. You, the CBC thinks, are, are some sort of far-right conspiracy theorist. You pay for the CBC. Remember that. This is what you pay for. You pay for, you pay for an outlet to bash all of us constantly and do the government's bidding. It's, it's, it, again, like, this is the kind of stuff we can laugh at the CBC, and they always put out stuff to laugh at. But then they do stuff like this, which is extremely dangerous and just absolutely ridiculous. Well, we do, we do try and end the show on a lighter note, and it's tough these days because it's just so ridiculous from the legacy media. They're always kind of gaslighting Canadians, trying to convince us all that we're, we're wild conspiracy theorists. But we found something that I thought was, was definitely worthy of, of mockery, Rupa. The, the kind of thing that I think just shows you really what... I don't even know what to describe this as, but... Wendy's, the fast food chain, decided that they really wanted to kind of hop on the Lisa Laflamme bandwagon. And there's this, there's this narrative going around about Lisa Laflamme, Lisa Laflamme's firing from CTV that actually it was because she was going gray. That, that, that's, that's sort of the narrative we're hearing. And Wendy's taking this literally without actually perhaps thinking about the fact she was making a lot of money for doing a pretty bad job, it turns out, taking this literally... They went out and decided, of, of all days yesterday, which is a couple weeks past it, to change the Wendy's logo on social media to give the Wendy's girl gray hair. Wow, Re Wendy's, Rupa, is really standing in solidarity with Lisa Laflamme there. I, I just can't believe this. Well, yeah, I mean, it is, it's just virtue signaling, right? right. Um, and um, it's tokenism. Does it actually help Lisa Laflamme at the end of the day? Um, you know, I, I don't know what, what, what exactly um, is the goal behind this sort of thing. I often see this as uh, tokenism. But, uh, you know, and I'm just quickly checking to see some of the comments um, uh, and uh, several people pointed out <laughs> the fact that um, you know if, 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 if several people were asking Wendy's if they've removed their advertising from Bell Media <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's <laughs> that, a great that, point <laughs> that would actually hold more weight uh, you know in, in terms of making a difference but uh, um, but you know I mean anybody can change their display picture and uh, and virtue signaling and what's cheap uh, talk is cheap but um, you know, are they actually going to do something about this? Uh, and uh, and uh, and here, the you know, what people are asking is, have you removed your advertising from Bell Media? And that's a, I think that's a fair question. Um, and uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I you know, I, I certainly don't you know, think that this is this kind of thing does nothing. At the end of the day, it's just 
it's just, it's just it's just virtue it's signaling. just weird cringe yeah. sort of classic yeah. classic yeah. corporate media attempts at trying to ride a bandwagon yeah. and uh it's just very bizarre and i think i mean they, they have thirteen thousand likes so people i guess like it but there's some good comments here and there's some good mockery on it too so what a way to wrap us up for the show have a great weekend everyone thank you for watching fake news friday my name is harrison faulkner that is rupa supermania you can catch rupa's podcast every tuesday you can catch my show ratioed every thursday Thursday. Take care, everyone. Thank you for watching. Have a great weekend.